0: Father, we thank you for giving us voices that can sing and make noise, a joyful noise to you. We praise you for bringing us here this morning. May the body of Christ be encouraged, built up, strengthened for the sake of your glory. We ask for your blessing over the offering We ask your blessing over this sermon. Speak through me. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Take a seat. Get your Bibles out. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I read the story of a pastor who lived in a part of the country that is a hotbed of homosexuality. And this is what he, he said in one of his stories. He says, I can remember going down to a local hospital, a young man dying of AIDS, raised in a Christian family, rejected the gospel, and he lived 20 plus years in blatant, outrageous homosexual lifestyle. The Los Angeles Police Department told me some years ago that the numbers of partners of active homosexuals have would be an average of about 500, some as many as 1,000. This young man lived that lifestyle. In his room, he was surrounded by these kinds of friends who lived this lifestyle. He had called the church to say, could someone come because he was dying and was afraid to die?" And he held my hand and squeezed my hand, and I prayed that God would forgive him and save him. And he cried out to God and repented of his sin and pled with God to be merciful and gracious and save him. His name was David. And I prayed, and he was squeezing the life out of my hand. And then when the prayer was over, he just looked still, and he looked at the clock on the wall, and I said, what are you looking at? And he said, I want to remember the time of my salvation. And he lived for a few more weeks, and all those friends shunned him. because I've seen that, and not just once. Now, when we hear stories like that, it reminds us that the grace of God knows no bounds. And because of that never-ending grace, the church should be sharing the same message of grace and forgiveness to a lost and dying world. But, this is the big but, it is getting more risky to share this message of hope of grace and forgiveness to those in bondage to the perverse sin of homosexuality. We're going to dive right in, and we're going to piggyback off a little bit of last week's sermon and get right into what we're going to be talking about, which is basically your religious freedoms. And we're going to talk about a very, very controversial subject and get the final truth on this Subject, and that's the idea of being born gay. You guys are familiar with this argument? Homosexuals homosexuals and, and those people that live that lifestyle claim that they're born that way, that they have no choice. Turn to first Corinthians chapter six, nine through eleven. First Corinthians chapter six nine through eleven. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. If you have uh, another version, it may read a little differently, but I'll highlight some of the differences here in a moment. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Question for you, who will not inherit the kingdom of God? Well, according to verses 9 and 10, the sexually immoral idol worshipers, idolaters, adulterers, men who practice homosexuality, thieves, greedy, drunkards, revilers, and swindlers. Now, since these people do not inherit the kingdom of God, and you should remember who inherits the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for what? Theirs is the, is the kingdom of God, right? You get, in the end, it, it, it ends that way. You're, you're, it's, if you're persecuted, it, it's a reminder that you're of the line of the prophets, that you are indeed saved, that you are, will inherit the kingdom of God. But since this group of people do not inherit the kingdom of God, it's important for us to know how the Bible defines these people. And for our purposes this morning let's look at the first four types of people because these four words are all connected to sexual sin. I want to begin just looking at the phrase, do not be deceived. Now, for Paul to write that to the Corinthian church, do not be deceived, obviously he is thinking that they had been deceived. So, in his time, those types of people, at least some of them, thought that they could live those lifestyles and what? Still get into the kingdom of God, right? Well, no. Do we have that same problem today? Yes. But do not be deceived. Don't be deceived by the propaganda, the media, the films and television programs, the educators. Essentially everything you're exposed to because they approve of those behaviors. Don't be deceived by that. He goes on to say that the sexually immoral do not inherit the kingdom of God. The Greek word for sexually immoral is the word porneia, from which we get the word pornography, and it means literally fornicator. This is referring to people who engage in heterosexual sin. That's sex outside of marriage, you know, prostitution and so on. Idolaters. What does it have to do with sexual sin? Well, it literally means image worshiper, but Paul lists idol worship right after sexual morality because sexual sin and idolatry historically have always been connected. There were male prostitutes, female prostitutes, cult prostitutes. So we see religion and sex intimately connected. Because he goes right after that to adulterers. What is an adulterer? It's people who have sexual relations with someone other than their spouse. And then we get men who practice homosexuality. Your version might have the word effeminate there. Does your version, anyone have that word effeminate in there? Okay, some of you do. Good. That's the word. It's effeminate is the... The word in the Greek, but it's better read as men who practice homosexuality. What does it mean then to be effeminate? Well, it's a passive partner in a homosexual relationship. You have the dominant partner in a homosexual relationship, you have a passive partner. And in my research for last week's sermon, and, and historically in the Uh, Egyptian and Greek and Roman empires, it was the dominant homosexual partner that was more socially accepted and and more revered. The passive partner was most often looked down upon or despised. So the word actually came to refer to the male prostitute who offered himself anonymously for homosexual vice. So the sexually immoral idolaters, adulterers, the men who practice homosexuality, people who live those kind of lifestyles do not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, it is hard enough to tell people who are deceived by sin that they are cut off from God's kingdom. I cannot tell you how many times I had to dumb down explaining the definition of sin to your average college student because we basically think, and we've drunk the Kool-Aid, we believe the lie that we are basically good. If you take my good deeds compared to my bad deeds, my good deeds, well, with my bad deeds, therefore I should be able to be good with God and get into the kingdom of heaven. It's one of the things that's pleasant about prison ministry. I don't have to tell anybody that they're sinful there. They know it. They see it every day. So it's hard not just to tell people that are deceived by sin, that they're cut off from God's kingdom. Here's my point, though. You try telling that to a homosexual in today's culture. And, folks, it won't get any easier. In fact, it gets more controversial as we look at verse 11. What does verse 11 say? And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Now, there's a phrase, and such were some of you. Now, this means two things. Number one, it means that the church was, and this is the good news, full of the sexually immoral, adulterers, adulterers, men who practice homosexuality, thieves, or greedy drunkards, or violators and swindlers. The church was, was full of those people. And that's the good news. The church is a collection of former sinners of all varieties. Okay? It says that they were what? Washed. What does it mean that they were washed? That means by the washing of the word of God. uh, Titus 3, 5, I think it says that. You're regenerated. You're born again. You are changed. You're transformed. God shares his life with you. Okay? You were this way. now you're not. Sanctified. It means you're separated from your sin and the sinful behaviors. You're separated from that. Remember, you were a slave to sin. When you come to Christ, you're no longer a slave to sin. You're separated from that. You have a choice. You are justified. Now, if being washed changed your life, justification changed your standing before God. You've been declared righteous before him. You follow me so far? The reason why there's that order, washed, sanctified, justified. If it was washed, then justified, then sanctified, people could say, I'm justified, I'm right with God, but I can still live this lifestyle. I still struggle saying, no, 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 no. You're what? Washed, then sanctified. You're separated from that. Now, that's all good, so the church was full of those people. Now, here's where it gets hard. For men who practice homosexuality, it means that they were homosexuals, but what? Not anymore, for such were some of you, but you were. In other words, the Bible is saying that a homosexual is not born gay. Homosexuality is not a genetic defect. You were that way. You're not anymore. Amen. Anymore, and here we go, than every other thing that has been listed in that passage that is to be genetically blamed. Remember that last week. They, they're, they're, you're genetically born that way. This, and we Can't change. It's who I am. And I want you to understand that. Well, you are that way, but the Bible says not anymore. Any more than every other thing is to be genetically blamed. In other words, do people fornicate because of some kind of genetic defect? Is that why there are people who are idolaters, or do people still or are greedy and drunkards and revilers and swindlers because they are born that way and are genetically defective? Think about that reasoning. I'm stealing from you, I'm a thief, and I have no choice because I was born that way. I'm an adulterer, I have no choice but to commit adultery and ruin families and marriages because I don't have any choice, I was born that way. I'm a murderer because I was born that way. Of course not, that's ridiculous, right? Because if that's true, if that's true, then... All those people, the thieves, the sexually immoral, the adulterers, the idolaters, the revilers, the swindlers, all those people better have equal rights for all of them and let them all start lobby groups to petition Congress so that they can get us all to recognize that they have a genetic issue. What the scriptures teach, which is the truth, It is not popular, and it is not politically correct. Our culture values tolerance, and it does not want to hear this message about homosexuality. You are not born gay and can choose to repent of this sexually immoral lifestyle, believe in Jesus Christ, and inherit the kingdom of God. To speak in such a way is considered to be discriminatory, derogatory, and outright hateful. Really? What the Democratic Party is saying in affirming homosexuality is the most unkind, hateful thing they can do to any LGBTQ plus person. Well, why? Because they must hate homosexuals if they will affirm that lifestyle, knowing that it leads to eternal separation from God and hell. It is the most unkind, hateful, and perverse thing for major denominations in our country to affirm homosexuality, ordain homosexuals, ordain lesbians, marry men to men, and women to women. So what should the church's response be? Let's talk about that. Get your Bibles out again. Turn to John chapter 8, verses 2 through 11. John chapter 8, verses 2 through 11. It's a simple point, but we need to hear it. This is the story of the woman that was caught in the act of idolatry. Early in the morning, Jesus came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in in adultery. (laughs) And placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? This they said to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. As they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you, be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Here we have a woman caught in the act of adultery. Is adultery listed as a lifestyle that eliminates a person from entering the kingdom of God? Yes. Well, how does Jesus respond to her? He did not condemn the person, the sinner. He condemned the sin. You've heard that phrase before, I I bet. But here's the thing. That's all good, right? He also called the sinner to repentance. What did he say in verse 11? Go, and from now on, sin no more. And we must do the same. Homosexual sin is no different than the sin of adultery or stealing or lying. We respond as Jesus would respond. In fact... Where would Jesus be if he wasn't in a synagogue or in a church today? Where would he be if he was in Washington? Probably in the Capitol Hill area, right? Hanging out with the people, the homeless and the, the, the homosexuals and all that that, that crowd, he would be with them because that's who he hung out with, tax collectors and sinners. Sharing hope with them, confronting them, but sharing hope with them. And that's the most loving thing, and this is the key. We respond in love to everybody. The most loving thing a Christian can do to homosexuals is to warn them. Hell is where they're headed. And if they do not repent of their sin and place their faith in Jesus Christ. So the most hateful thing any person, including Christians, can do to homosexuals is what? Affirm their lifestyle. We are here to preach the message of deliverance and forgiveness to the people who are trapped in sin, including the horrible sin of homosexuality. There are people that struggle with that. It is very real. Don't judge them. It's a reality for them. But this is where it gets so hard and the sermon kind of turns. Did you ever think that somehow it could be illegal in the United States of America to speak in love to the LGBTQ plus community. But this is a path we are heading down. Facebook has removed the page of Restored Hope Network, a Christian ministry that helps those with unwanted sexual attractions and gender confusion. While no explanation was given as to why the page was taken down, the ministry believes the social media giants move is part of an ongoing efforts in support of government prohibitions on the practice of what some refer to as conversion therapy. The phrase Restored Hope Network maintains has been weaponized to shut down any kind of counseling that coheres with historic Christian faith view on sexual ethics. It's from the Christian Post. Amid activist LGBT pressure, Amazon has removed the works of authors who once lived and identified as gay. The works of Ann Palk and pastoral counselor Joe Dallas are among the latest books to be pulled from the online retail giant. It's a quote from Joe Dallas. He says this, and I want you to listen to this. Stay awake, all right? Amazon's decision is no surprise since today's culture is caving to the goals of the LGBTQ political movement which have always included the silencing of any disapproval of homosexuality. It would be awfully naive to think it will stop here. And this is this pattern. You tell me if this sounds familiar and if we're in this pattern. First, the LGBTQ movement will convince the culture that telling homosexuals they can change is dangerous. Then they'll convince the culture that calling homosexuality a sin is dangerous. Then the government will tell the pastors of America what they can or cannot say in this subject and the culture will approve. That's the path we're going down. So let's talk about these disturbing trends. I'm gonna read you about a page worth of notes from Wayne Goodman's book on politics according to the Bible. Just sit back and listen. And mind you, I'm going back now almost 30 years. Okay? 1992. Prior to 1992, Denver, Boulder, and Aspen in Colorado had passed laws banning discrimination against homosexuals in those cities. At first, such laws sounded reasonable to people who wants to be in favor of discrimination. The United States already has such laws forbidding discrimination against people because of race, gender, age, for example. But on further reflection, when such laws include homosexuals, then will a Christian photographer be forced to take the job if asked to photograph a homosexual wedding? This happened in New Mexico when a young photographer named Elaine Huguenin had a complaint filed against her by a lesbian couple because she respectfully declined to photograph their same sex commitment ceremony. The New Mexico Human Rights Commission ordered Elaine and her husband to pay nearly $7,000 in attorney fees to the couple, even though same-sex marriage isn't even legal in New Mexico. Will a church be forced to rent its facilities to homosexuals for a homosexual wedding? This occurred in New Jersey, when the Ocean Grove Camp Meeting Association of the United Methodist Church declined to rent its worship pavilion to two lesbian couples for a civil union ceremony. Lesbians filed a complaint with the state Civil Rights Commission and the association lost its tax-exempt status for the pavilion. The camp filed a lawsuit against the state of New Jersey to defend the ministry's right to not be forced to rent property for activities contrary to its beliefs. The tax-exempt status was subsequently restored until the case is concluded. Now, previously, homosexuals were protected by the same laws that protect everyone else in society. But these new laws, and that's what I want you to hear, these new laws went further and made homosexuals a special class of people. Let's just put LGBTQ now in there, as you'll learn. They're a special class of people who are given special privileges under the law and special protections. These laws gave homosexuals' behavior a privileged position under the law and began to make it increasingly difficult for people who thought homosexuality was destructive to society and or morally wrong to express, just to express, their viewpoint. Conduct their businesses and raise your children in a way consistent with their viewpoint. Now because of such considerations, a number of Colorado citizens disagreed with such gay rights laws that have been passed in the cities mentioned and they proposed an amendment to the Colorado Constitution, that would prevent such laws anywhere in the state. Amendment went to the state constitution. It was voted on and passed with 53% approval rating on November 3rd, 1992. So they're, asked, they're protected like anybody else by all the laws, which they should be. But the amendment prohibited the state or local governments in Colorado from passing laws that gave special protection homosexual, lesbian, or sexual orientation, conduct, practices, or relationships, or entitled such persons to have a claim to any minority status, quota preferences, protected status, or claim of discrimination. But guess what? Amendment, that amendment, Amendment 2, was challenged in the courts and appealed all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. In the case of Romer v. Evans, announced on May 20th, 1996, by a 6-3 majority, the Supreme Court overturned this amendment to the Colorado Constitution. Once again, it's important to observe what happened. The question about whether homosexuals should be given special rights protections under the law is a decision of great significance to any society. The citizens of Colorado decide not to give such special protections by a statewide vote in a democratic process. That's how it's supposed to work, Right? But the U.S. Supreme Court decreed that the citizens of Colorado didn't have the right to make the decision by themselves. It said the court made the decision for them and overturned the democratic process of deciding this matter. That was 1996. I want to take you back to this. This is the Democratic National Democratic Party platform. Word for word, what it says there in 2012, you might recognize this from another sermon. They advocate homosexual marriage in 2016. Word for word, they want to guarantee lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender rights. But I want you to see what's in red there. What are they supporting here? A progressive vision. Whenever you see the word progressive today, for a conservative, that's never a good thing, for the most part. But what's this progressive vision of religious freedom that rejects that respects pluralism? and rejects the misuse of religion to discriminate. What is pluralism? Think of religious pluralism. What is religious pluralism? All paths lead to the same destination, the same God. Okay, so what they're saying there, in essence, is what? That you can't discriminate anyone, the LGBTQ person, based upon your religious views. They want everyone to be accepted, that's what pluralism is. But look what it says in the 2020s, this was a few months ago, they want to now just protect the LGBTQ plus rights, so they added the, the plus, That so went over that, but look what it says in red there, we will fight to enact the Equality Act, and at last outlaw discrimination against LGBTQ plus people in housing, public accommodations, access to credit, education, Jury service in federal programs. That is a direct quote from their party platform. Now what does that mean? What is the Equality Act? Well, let's take a look at that. There's the Equality Act. Everyone needs to be awake and listen to this because this affects you directly. This is what concerns me the most. As much as I abhor abortion and want the government to be run biblically this is the issue for me, and it should be the issue for you. It's our religious freedoms. They're no longer being threatened. We've gone way beyond that in our society. They are now being attacked. This is the Equality Act. This bill, it's taken from, it's exactly what it states. This bill prohibits discrimination based on sex, sexual orientation, and gender identity in a wide variety of areas, including public accommodations, facilities, education, federal funding, employment, housing credit, and the jury system. But what? Specifically, the bill defines and includes sex, sex orientation, and gender identity among the primitive categories of discrimination or segregation. Obviously, there's a lot of confusion going on in our world about gender identity, but they're throwing in that. They want to make that part of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. You can't discriminate against anyone based upon their sex, sexual orientation, and gender identity. By the way, they don't use the word sexual preference there Because sexual preference would imply that a, a, a homosexual or lesbian can make a choice, and they can't make a choice. Well, why? They're born gay. They're born gay. They have no choice. Sexual orientation is the way you're born. It's worded that way specifically in gender identity. It goes on to say this: This is where it gets really scary, folks. Protections against discrimination based on race, color, religion, sex, and no, there it is, sexual orientation, gender identity, or national origin shall include protections against discrimination based on, number one, association with another person who's a member of such a particular class. You can't discriminate against someone that fits this, any of these categories here. But look at this. Question number, point number two. A perception or belief, even if what? Inaccurate. Inaccurate. You see that? that an individual is a member of such a protected class. Now watch this, the bill prohibits the Religious Freedom Restoration Act of 1993. That was a bipartisan vote that passed. Both Republicans and Democrats agreed because it stated in our Constitution, the religious freedoms that we have, it prohibits using this act from providing a claim, defense or basis for challenging such protections. I'll explain in detail really what that means, but then it goes on to say what? This bill prohibits an individual from being denied access to a shared facility, including a restroom, a locker room, a dressing room that is in accordance with the individual's gender identity. Who was familiar with the Equality Act before this morning? Yeah, that should not be. Okay? That should not be. And you're going to understand now why. This bill would codify LGBT non-discrimination protections into federal law. What does this mean, really? Let me explain this to you in layman's terms. A quote to you from uh, Michelle Bachman, a former Minnesota congresswoman, she said this that, about this bill. It gives special rights to certain people who practice certain behaviors. It's about giving rights to feelings. Do you see that? I feel like today I am a female, even though I biologically I am a male. That means I can then go into a woman's locker room or a woman's bathroom, and you can't stop me. So it's about giving rights to feelings, not to mutable physical characteristics. Even worse, guess what? We all are going to lose rights. Those who believe in a biblical standard, we will be punished. We will no longer be able to verbally or practice life in the way we used to practice life because we'll be punished for what the Bible says. If we speak what the Bible says, we will be punished. That's what the Equality Act is doing. So what would the practical results be if this bill was passed? I'm gonna put these up here for you to give you an idea. If this works, there we go. Number one, it's going to force faith-based adoption agencies to place kids with same-sex couples even when other adoption agencies are available. Here's a quote from Senator James Langford. The Equality Act says that if you're a faith-based adoption agency that only places children in a home where there's a mom and dad there, then you either have to change your faith or close. That's what it states. It's gonna violate parental rights. It says the son can actually go to a doctor without the parent's involvement at all. Even the parents object vocally. Under this bill, the doctor has to treat the boy to ultimately transfer over to be a female. That's a quote from House Minority Whip Steve Kalise You saw this question posed to Joe Biden at that town hall meeting a couple weeks ago. And he believes that it's a right of an eight-year-old child to go to a doctor and request a sex change and go through that, and the parents have no say over that. By the way, who's paying for that? The parents are. What? The conscious rights of medical professionals would be lost in a case where doctors refuse, and some doctors have, refuse to perform these surgeries. They face legal repercussions. Congressman Vicki Hartzer says this, we have other states who have sued faith-based hospitals who've not gone along with doing a sex change operation on a child and they're being sued for discrimination. That's typically Catholic-based hospitals. And they always do this, I'm learning. Everyone awake? This would enshrine abortion funding, this act. They try to squeeze this in there because it has nothing to do with an LGBTQ plus person, right? Abortion. Because what it does, they try to sink this in there. It's going to take away, Steve Cleese said, the protection that taxpayer money won't be used for abortion. Just like you're trying to squeeze it into the next stimulus deal. And I want you to hear me in this one It's going to undermine women's rights. Is everyone awake so far? Okay. I am actually quoting a Democrat, a feminist, and an LGBT activist, and an ACLU lawyer, Kara Dansky. This is what she said about the Equality Act. "'I am certain that the people here with me profoundly disagree about many issues,' she was standing there at a press conference surrounded by conservatives. This lady would never be in the audience or a group of conservatives. But we're here together to take a strong stand for the rights, privacy, and safety of women and girls. If the bill is permitted to go on through, it would redefine the word sex to mean gender identity, and that has grave consequences for women and girls. We're gravely concerned about spaces, Locker rooms, changing rooms, dormitories were concerned about the material consequences of eradicating the category female from the law. And you should be too. It would end, obviously, women's sports. Again, Congressman Vicky Hasser, who was a track coach, it just tramples on the rights of women and others by forcing a top-down government discrimination against those who hold differing views on marriage and human sexuality. You've already heard of the cases, Right? The, the, the man, the boy, the male who thinks he's female and, and is trying to compete in female sports. That is an, an inherent advantage. I can't believe I'm here to talk about this stuff. It's just ridiculous, but it is the reality of where we are. And it's going to do this. You guys awake? This is what should really bother you Is this one right here. It's going to wipe out your religious rights. Again, Congressman will Vicky By the way, when you hear President Trump, I'm wondering why is he saying religious rights, religious freedoms? If you elect this Joe Biden, you'll end of your religious rights and freedoms. Well, I'm going to you what he means. Do you remember the whole the little case I shared through the little sisters of the poor that did not want Remember familiar with that? When that in a sermon, you cannot force us to you know through a health care to pay for abortion and so on. There'd be no more little sisters of the poor being able to go to court and argue for their rights. There'd be no more Hobby Lobby. Remember the ruling that individuals who do not not lose their religious freedom when they open a family business? There'd be no more Jack Phillips being able to say that you cannot force me to use my gifts and talents to make a cake that goes against my deeply held religious beliefs. You can't say that I decline this to this LGBTQ person because of my religious beliefs. I'm going to Quote from, to summarize, Tony Perkins from the Family Research Council. He says, we're talking about a piece of legislation, the Equality Act, that hunts down and punishes evangelicals. That's what it does. One that also ends women's sports, girls' and boys' bathrooms, Christian counseling. You can't say to somebody, this is a sin, that you're not born that way. Privacy laws, conscious protections, obviously the whole thing with doctors, millennia of biology, medical ethics, and parents' rights. The Equality Act is a result of radical LGBT advocacy. It guts religious liberty and greatly impacts the freedom of Christian schools, Catholic hospitals, and faith based nonprofits. Prophets, to uphold policies consistent with their beliefs on sexuality and marriage. Now, I have a question for you. And you have to be thinking this, I would hope. Who, in their right mind, would vote for such an act? Right? Here we go. Every Senate Democrat, joined by two independents and Republicans, Susan Collins of Maine, called for a vote on the so-called Equality Act. It's gone nowhere because the Republicans... Mitch McConnell controlled the Senate and they're not doing anything about it. And when this bill came out, passed by the House of Representatives, which is controlled by who? The Democrats. The Democrat feminists, activists, and lawyer, they sued the Obama administration and they sued against this act. And when it was put to, put to bed by President Trump, they dropped that suit. Here's the thing, folks. I want everybody to hear me on this. Do you need to stand up? Are you guys awake? Joe Biden announced that his number one legislative priority as president would be the passing of the Equality Act. While he's courting evangelicals to get their vote, he's taking away their rights. And I'll bring him up for the first time ever in a sermon series because this is serious. To be clear, the Equality Act would extend protections for LGBTQ individuals superseding the rights of religious groups. It elevates LGBTQ plus rights above religious freedom. By the way, religious freedom is a freedom guaranteed by the First Amendment to the Constitution, which reads this. Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion, or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech, or of the press, or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Let me translate that for you. It's an amendment that prohibits any law limiting freedom with respect to religion, expression, peaceful assembly, or the right of citizens to petition the government. That's the First Amendment, folks. And yet, the Democratic Party has boldly stated, I just read to you from their party platform, this is what they are not threatening. They're attacking. Now, I want you to just use your imagination for a moment here. Here are other possible implications if the Equality Act is passed into law. Will any owner of a small business, whether he's a religious or not, be forced to hire a homosexual who applies for a job out of fear of being hit with an anti-discrimination lawsuit, even if he thinks that homosexual conduct is harmful or wrong? Will elementary schools then be forced to teach children that homosexual conduct is a morally good choice for those who want to choose it? Will parents be forced to keep their students in school for such instruction since this is now the position of the law? That is not outside the realm of possibility. Do, do you see that? Because that's just, this whole sermon is not about homosexuality, really. It's about Religious freedom. And the church is strengthened when we're doing what we're doing right now. We're gathering together. And you're strengthened so that you can go and be salt and light. Prevent the decay of the world and show them the right way through your light. But what's happening? Can you be salt and light to a homosexual person. Where is this going, folks? Well, you can't talk to them. So you are condemning that, those people to what? And you're not just condemning them. Who else is condemning them? The Democratic Party, because they're the ones that make it illegal to even talk about it. I said the purpose of this sermon series is to educate the congregation of Bible Chapel on what the Bible says about some of the issues we are facing as a nation in this upcoming election. Since we live in a democracy where we are entrusted with a significant portion of the ruling power of government by way of voting, we have a responsibility before God to know what God expects of government. And I quoted Jeremiah twenty nine seven, and we'll close with this. But seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Unfortunately, if I'm gonna have to sit there and summarize, the Democratic Party has rejected God. It's pushing for the murder of innocent children in the wombs, it's advocating for an LGBTQ agenda, and it's taking away your religious rights. How in the world can a Christian vote for that party? And we're not even done yet. I have to cut this sermon short. Next week, I talk about marriage and family, but there are a whole other range of issues. I just run out of time. But you'll find people in the church that are arguing to vote that way. We'll address some of that next week. I don't have so much time because I'll talk about marriage, family, and then some of these these arguments that are out there that confuse people on some of these issues. That is not my opinion. What I just shared with you, that's what the Bible says, blatantly clear, and that's what was written on those websites. Go look up the Equality Act. Go look at the Democratic National Party platform. You will see that. Research about the Equality Act. It is controversial, and it's gonna take away your religious freedom, which is guaranteed in the First Amendment. How that is even possible? So what should the church do? Rise up, you gotta take a stand, for sure. And you don't take a stand just so you can get together and worship. Do you know who you take a stand for? for the homosexuals, for the lesbians, for the transgender, for all those people that are lost and need to hear that message that it is becoming almost illegal to even preach the gospel to them. In the United States, of all places. And so, again, I want to ask you to seek the welfare of the city or the country and then practice kingdom voting Seek the welfare of the country. Does anybody here by show of hands think that passing the Equality Act is seeking the welfare of the country? Then there is no way you can vote for that or for any candidate that is for that because the Bible says very clearly you're to seek what? The welfare of the city or the country. If you don't seek the welfare of the city or the country, guess who you are now opposing? god himself we're not being threatened we are being attacked and in love we respond let's pray heavenly father it's just troubling to me to write these sermons to learn this stuff my only hope comes in a sovereign god You're in control, and and your ways are far beyond my ways. Your thoughts are much higher than mine. I'm sure that the the Jews that, that denied you, rejected you, and were taken into captivity didn't understand what was going on, and yet you had a purpose in it all. Lord, we pray for our country that has turned from you, we ask for your forgiveness. And we pray that our country and its leaders would return to you. We want to seek the welfare of the country in accordance with your commands. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's close with a song this morning after a song. You are dismissed and have a sunny day. Please stand.